Hello, everybody. Welcome to another new episode of the Premier Raleigh Small Business and Special Interest Podcast, where we bring you stories from business owners and special interest groups from around the triangle. Well, guys, we are back this morning, and I have Kurt here from Pantheon Fishing. He's up in, is it Wake Forest? Right now, Wake Forest, yep. Okay, great. And uh, it's with fly fishing, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. And like where what where the company came from, how long you've been in business. Sure. And then I'm going to kind of dive into some stuff that I might be interested in. Yeah, yeah, so sounds great. Like learn more about it. So. Yeah, yep. So my name is Kurt Wall. Uh, I live up in Wake Forest. And Pandion Fishing kind of came from the brainchild of a bunch of different ideas I had in the beginning. And one of the uh, one of the weird things is that people always ask, well, when did you start? When did the company start? When did you launch? And I haven't figured out, like, what do people use as a date even for that yet? Because, you know, you start so far ahead of where you're official and, well, yeah, when did you launch yeah, yeah. the website and this and that. So I kind of, I started this company idea probably a couple of years ago with, I started fly fishing August of 2017, I'd say. And probably two months into it, I guess you could say the brainchild for the company started. And then I officially launched, got the tax ID, all that stuff back in April, May launched the website in October. So, you know, depending on when there's people all, grade the launch day. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mostly started it this year officially, though, for the public viewing side of things. But um, it all kind of stemmed out of the idea of, I've always wanted to do something. I don't know what I want to do, but I'm tired of just working for other people, doing this, doing that. So I've always, I sat there for years and probably a decade trying to come up, well, what's the kind of a product I can sell or what's this or what business can I do? And it kind of fumbled along with different different business websites and this and that. Um, and finally, all of a sudden, you know, I think from after years of trying too hard, I just kind of gave up the mindset of you're overthinking this. Just let it happen. It just, yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll come naturally. And after getting into fly fishing, I was like, man, I'm just, I'm so tired of carrying all of my crap. I'm, I've kind of sort of, moved into being a minimalist side of building things okay. in my life. And I just looked at this bag and this pack that I have, and I looked around at everybody else. I'm like, why am I carrying all of this crap? I'm like, I need four things while I'm out there half the time for an hour. I don't need all of this junk. Right. I'm like, why doesn't somebody have something that's just simple, clean, easy? And I was like, holy crap, I got this idea. Why don't I just wear this little pouch I've got on my arm I just put what I need in there. So that thing that, you're, that I saw online, that just sits on your, it actually attaches. Like, Correct. Okay. So what that stemmed from back, let me go back a little bit of my work history. I started, I started in a purchasing and inventory management world um, right out of college doing uh, aviation chemical management, stuff like that for Boeing, GE, all that, just kind of processing what materials you need, when do you need it, just the logistics kind of side of building stuff. Okay. Um, just hopped different companies, wanted to get out. I'm originally from New Jersey, just wanted to get the heck out of New Jersey. Took a job opportunity down here with a customer. Wound up getting laid off, two, three different companies closed. Just weird opportunities come along. I eventually stumbled into the company I'm at before the one I'm at now, and they built tactical tactical gear for the military. Okay. Um, different bags, different packs, plate carriers, everything from scratch, all U.S. made. And the founder, I, I kind of really got to know the founder of that company really well. Uh, he's a former Navy SEAL, just jive with him really well. We're still friends. We still talk. It's really just, it was really eye-opening to see the different gear side of things. And then couple that with my love of just firearms, the outdoor world, just everything. It really kind of melded together. And one of the things that came across, I think, from that company with the tactical gear side of things versus my fishing love of things, just since I've ever been a little kid, was they had the armband for different maps and, and just different products for that. And I was like, well, I could tie these two together really simple. And I think the light bulb just finally clicked of like, I don't want to carry all this crap. Where can I store the stuff? Where's light efficient, which that whole military gear side of thing comes from. Right. And I just kind of said, well, let's just put the two together. And I just kind of came up came up with that and now I'm kind of in the process of just building that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. That's 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 a great story actually. Mm -hmm. So cuz I uh actually um where I was stationed at in Virginia Beach was at Oceana. So I actually Okay, there. yeah. I was ADS, of, all those guys yeah, out there, yeah. yeah. F14s and oh god. That was my world. So yep, I love it. When you mentioned fluids, I was like, man, I was like so many times where I was like we we'd have the fuel dump yeah. out the back and sit yep. there with the diapers picking, you know, yep. just picking up JP5 all day long. <laughs> and I was like 
Uh, yeah. So many cold nights of that. So. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's I've always had a love for the military. I've had family in the military. I kind of just was lazy and never did it, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, I always had a love for aviation, so it was kind of nice. I first stepped out of college into the aviation thing. I was going to be a pilot, but wound up going down the business route instead. So it was nice to get back into that. But I've just always really had a fond appreciation for the military. I love everything about it, the people that are in it. I always find myself gravitating more towards veterans and military people because for some reason, just culturally, I always just work well together with them. Their mindsets are fantastic. It just always jives well. Right. And I think that's why me and my me and my former boss got along so well. It's just we, we have that same brain power of just get it the fuck done, move on from there, figure it out. Um, and we just work really well together. And I've just, I've always liked that side of, of people. No, for sure. I mean, I... Um... I was, I actually, uh, do you know about Bunker Labs? I do not. Okay, Bunker Labs is an entrepreneurial group for veterans. Oh, awesome. And they're trying to get uh, veterans back into owning businesses again. Mm-hmm. So they said like back right after World War II, there was about a uh, little over, close to 50% of them coming back from the war would start businesses. Yeah, sure. And right now it's around 4%. Really? So their big thing is trying to get enough resources and enough, just resources in general sure. or or groups and stuff like that together to get this going again. That's awesome. And, uh, no, it's been incredible with them. Um, I hadn't gone, I hadn't been around a big group of military people in a sure. long time. It was just like, oh, you're in the military, we talked a little yep, bit or whatever. Yep. But you don't really feel like the energy difference. So the I camaraderie in, side Right, things, and I walk yeah. in, there was like 20, 30 people in there, and all of a sudden you could feel, whether it was an energy difference or it was like the communication style or the clarity of communication. It's probably a combination of it all. Right. Yeah. It's just like very cut and dry, very smooth, very like, yep. you know, here's this, here's that, here's yeah. how we talk, here's how yep. this works. Exactly. You know, it was just matter of fact. Yeah. And I think I spent I spent about about eight to ten years now on uh, the fire department side of things too. So okay. yeah, I, saw I feel that. I feel yeah. like I really feel like the fire service and just that side of things meshes really well with military and I think that's part of why I, I, I tend that, to have that, that same, would make sense. That yeah. camaraderie, that, that language, all of that, it right. just kinda works together. Well when you're when you're in a situation, you know, especially military or even a fire situation, mm-hmm. like you you can't be him hauling around. You just gotta work. Like, just get it, it done. It has to go because mm-hmm. like there's there's lives on the line or there's there's things going on that Exactly. You can't. You have to make sure the communication is clear. You have to make sure like what you're talking about is clear. Yep. And what the mission is. Exactly. Like, yep. It's really important. I, I felt a lot of that too. Just from uh, one of the other things I get, I get a really good opportunity to do is with uh, Team Rubicon, disaster response, and it's mostly uh, first responders, military, and veterans doing disaster response. And okay. just like you said, you, you get in that group with 20 or 30 people in a room to go do a problem and you could just you just feel the energy is completely different from any other disaster response group I've worked with where it's just, you know, random kind of hodgepodge civilians where everybody is on the same brain train and, and can just work and, and it just it flows really well. And that it's it's part of that logistics mind too. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you were in some form of logistics at some point. Unfortunately, I've always been stuck in inventory, yeah. purchasing logistics, all yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was in uh, supply chain, so I was doing, I had uh, Kohl's department stores for like sure. almost four years. I had uh, Pure One Imports, Coke, Pepsi, okay. um, a bunch of different printing presses up in BC. Okay. So I actually handled um, a decent amount of freight every day going from Washington State into Canada. Gotcha. Oh, and international fun. international. Yeah. And then uh, everything was JIT, so it was like, you know. That's the world I live in, is just okay. the type of inventory. So. Okay. Right now, my corporate job is a purchase. I'm in purchasing senior buyer type thing, where it's just handling all different commodities, ordering just in time, setting up just in time programs. So, unfortunately, yeah, I can relate. Yeah, to that. so that was my whole world for like three years was GIT yep. going from Washington State into Canada Ugh. with the border in between. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, there's the fun right there. Oh yeah. So like, <laughs> they're like, um, okay, well, I can get. I would. I'd had it. Had the, the puzzle set up so in such a way that mm-hmm. people would look at my stuff and like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like. Yeah, it does. It works to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need you to understand. I got right. it. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm still accomplishing my 99% delivery on time. Yep. Yeah. So don't worry if it doesn't look right in the computer. Sure. It, it works right in my Reality, world. it works. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that was the whole thing. People coming out of college, they were like trying to tell me, because I don't have a degree in anything. Yeah. You know, they're I, to, well, they're I think trying, degrees are kind of overrated to start with. They come out there like, well, you know, it has to be this way, this way, this way. And I was like, in the book... Do you just want to get the goal, or do you care about how I get it done? You're right. In, yeah. the, in the book, it might work that way, yeah. but in real life. Exactly. Right? So there's a, a phrase that I've come up with, because I, I talk about business culture so much mm-hmm. and like how important it is to like really foster this these deep relationships with sure. people again in a world ruled by data. Yep. Is that the 
precision of a well-designed system mm -hmm. is predicated on the quality of the relationships of those operating it. That's a good way of putting it. Right? Because you can build the best system you could ever imagine, like the best gears and the best bearings and the yep. best everything. But if the people functioning it don't like you or don't want to work for you or aren't yeah. happy or it's aren't never cared work. for, you can have all the best data you want, but if the people that are running it don't care, yep. it doesn't matter how much how much time or money you put I into it. I feel like that's the best little 30-second snippet that everybody in this country needs to hear company-wide. I mean, I've fortunately and unfortunately been in so many different companies and the corporate side of things, and it's just that is probably the most well-explained version of how dysfunctional stuff just doesn't work in every company I've been in. Yet this guy's not happy doing this. This isn't working. These people don't talk to this. It's just that the system doesn't work. You can have great gears right. and great everything, but yeah. if the system doesn't work together or something's not happy in there, the whole the whole thing's never going to actually flow. You may get it to wobble down the street, right. but it ain't going to run. Right. No, exactly. And to me, like to start a system, I want to build it in such a way that when I push the button, it just goes. Yeah. I want mm -hmm. it to just run. You know, and you have to get in my world, in the logistics world, it's like you have the controlled variables and uncontrolled variables, mm -hmm. right? And a human will always be an uncontrolled variable always. because they can walk out at any time. Yep. If or they, they don't get like sick, you, they're not this. Whatever, yeah. There's always something. Something going on. Yep. And so the idea of building a really solid quality relationship with the people around you mm -hmm. allows that person to become as much of a controlled variable as possible. Sure. You know, I had drivers that were 300 miles away from me. And I had to call them up going, hey, I'm in a pinch. Like, when are you going to be back? Yep. And I have to know that I trust them to say, yep, I'm getting unloaded now. I'll be done in 10 minutes. I'll be on my way. Or are they sleeping in their bunk or sitting at a restaurant or whatever, yep. or having lunch? And they're like, yeah, I'm still getting unloaded or whatever, but they're not. <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah. And then, and then you're screwed. Yep. Right? So, like, that's the idea of that system. Is yeah. that I was just I was explaining it this way is that you have um, – Here's your here's your Walmart. Here's your AI mm -hmm. controlled perfect gears, like all yep. titanium gears and yep. ball bearings and lasers and like yep. everything in AI. <laughs> Everything's like perfect. Yep. But in between all these like, this perfect system are all these nylon cogs. The nice soft, soft nylon cogs. Each one has a different density. Each one can run a different number of cycles. Sure. And those are your people. Mm -hmm. So you have to care and nurture that nylon cog. Or you have to just keep replacing it at four thousand dollars a pop. Yep. Is what the industry standard is of, of hiring and training someone is about four thousand dollars. Sounds about right. Yeah. Right. So now you're trying to create the system that runs. Yep. But you burn this person out. You take a new one out and put it in there, and you burn this person out. Take put a new one in there. Not to mention the downtime in between of right. changing out the car. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I see that a lot of sides just on the purchasing side of things that I that out the world that I live in currently. It's just, you know, you get companies that are, well, I want the cheapest, I want the cheapest, or I want I want the fastest, or I want this. It's like, I'd rather develop the relationship with somebody that knows, I know they're going to try their best regardless. If they've got it, they're going to get it, kind of like you said. Yeah. So that I might not be able to get part A cheaper than part B from this guy, but I know that if I'm going to pinch part A, if he's got it, he's going to tell me, and if he doesn't, he's not going to tell me. I don't waste my time. It's just that whole no, exactly. building relationship. No, absolutely. And it's kind of that you, you got to flow that down to your people too as far as, Johnny, can you come into work today? Oh, man, I'm sick. I know Johnny's sick because Johnny's here 99 times no, out of 100. Exactly. exactly. So I don't have to worry that, oh, you know, Johnny's out on a job interview worrying about something else. Johnny loves working here. He loves doing this. And we've got that great relationship because you built that up. Absolutely. It kind of flows into all different all different things. Yeah. No, it's, um, we really got to really lock down this culture thing because mm -hmm. it's like we've gotten so lost in this, like, oh, we can use the AI and keep trimming things and yep. trimming things and trimming things. Yep. And I actually have a head nurse that uh, is a client of mine, and she goes, it's happening in medicine where it's happening they're, everywhere. they're trying to tell us that this interaction between me and this patient mm -hmm. should take this long. Sure. And it's like, yeah. You're trying to tell me that this person that just made a mess or died or whatever mm -hmm. should take this long. Which is insane so, because right. people to people. People right. are always the variable. Like you said, to right. your point, it's a nylon piece. Right. That's completely nylon on both sides. So you right. can't ever, I mean, right. you can come up with a generality, but yeah. Right. So so you're, now you're saying this uncontrolled variable and this uncontrolled variable, and you're trying to con control to the control, two uncontrolled variables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the logic to that. Yeah. You know, and we were watching it happen over and over again. And, like, mm -hmm. you're burning all these people out. Yeah. Right? And it was like, you know, we're, 
why does anybody want to stay at their job? Or mm-hmm. why, uh, why are we going through so many people? Yep. Or, or why is medicine so burned out? And I'm just like, because you're trying to run people as machines. Yeah. Yep. And they can only do so much. That's why, I, like, one of, the, one of the things I keep asking myself while I'm building this business up is, like, what am I doing? What is my goal? What do I want to do? I don't want to, it's not that, you know, you build, some people build companies to buy them and sell them, buy them and sell them, and this and that. Some people buy them because they just, they want to they wanna cash out at the end and have a big retirement and do, it, do whatever right. they want. Why am I building this business? And I was thinking about even on the drive in, I was like, because I, I was like, it's just something that always I question myself. Just no, I'm always keeping question? myself on track. Yeah, why is a great question? And I feel like one of the one of the reasons, at least, is that I just I want to build something where other people can come to work and have fun. I don't think anybody ever wants to go to work and like, man, I hope today sucks. I hope today is a right, rough day. Right, right. I think in every facet of life, people just want to have be happy. Like. It, Whatever you do in your job, why can't you be happy doing it? Why does it have right. to be miserable? Why can't the person in accounting just be happy there at work? Yeah, they're doing accounting and it may not be glorious, but they enjoy being there for the day and having fun. You don't have to deal with corporate culture and all this 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 garbage. Just just to build something where people can have a good time, generally have the same interests and, and work on the same page, and just enjoy their day at the work, work office and go home, where you don't yeah. have to fret or... Oh, you know, my kid got sick this week and I've got to stay home with him. Is my boss going to care if I'm home for the week with the kid or this? And like, no, because you're the boss and the company culture just understands like that's life. You know what I mean? You don't have to sit there and worry about the place that you work at being this, this problem in your life. It's just this, this place you can, you can generally work all working towards the same goal and be happy. Yeah. And I feel like that's what, that's why I'm doing this. And that's what I want to build as a place where I can work with other people and everybody just kind of enjoys what they do. You know, something I heard on the phone, like I was sick mm-hmm. one time, and they're like, they, they would do this thing with you. They're like, we highly encourage you to come in today. <laughs> you're like, you know, I'm sick, right? I and highly encourage like, myself to feel better, but we'll see how that goes. Right. Yeah. Right. I was like, I don't understand what you're trying to say here. So you want, you want me to like come in anyways, even though I'm like deathly ill. Yep. You know, and like me, I was brought up in entrepreneurship, and mm-hmm. I was brought up around business, and I was brought up around good work ethic. Yep. I never, I never called in sick. Yeah. Ever. Oh yeah, I'm at right? I'm so at the like, point right now with my corporate job. It's like I've got two months to use all of my vacation because I have. I'm like, oh, crap! I've got to, I've got to take days off. Yeah, yeah, no, yep. exactly. Um, but I think the why is really important because it, it's you know like in my situation too. It's 11 years working the same thing. If, sure. if I didn't have a big enough why, mm-hmm. like the one thing I learned over the over the course of this whole thing, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've probably felt it by now too, is mm-hmm. that the chase of money. It's not it. It'll never. When it when it gets really 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 hard, yep, money is fake. Oh yeah, and people some people hate it when I say this, but like, in tangible money like mm-hmm. gold and like ten, tender and stuff like that, there's yep. about six. This is an outdated number, but like about six trillion dollars of actual physical I can touch it money. Sure, and in the computer, oh, there's a lot. There's more. about sixty trillion. Mm-hmm. So. That alone yeah. shows you that it's just an agreed upon thing yep. in our world that this computer has this much money. Yeah. It's not real. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to f- chase money to keep you going yep. when things get really, really hard, you're not gonna, it's not going to pull you along. What's well, like, we know, we, we talk a lot about Gary Vee, and one of, the, one of the things I just heard yesterday, and he says it over and over again, which is I love, but it's the, the old saying of I'd rather cry in my Ferrari yeah, than, yeah, my, yeah. Than, than be happy in my Toyota. But it's so fundamentally wrong because, you know, you know, he know, he sat there and tell you he knows so many people and they're they're, they're deeply depressed and, and have problems. And, and they're sitting in there. They're they're wealthy as hell. Right. But it doesn't matter. The, the fundamental culture shift needs to be you should be happy in your Toyota. Right. right. Or, or your hoopty, whatever right. it is. Yeah. That the happiness is the driver, not the money, because. The, the ideal goal would be maybe if you work hard enough, you can be happy in your Ferrari, but you should be just as happy making $40,000 a year or $10,000 a year doing X versus making billions of dollars a year doing Y. Right. Well, there's a, I can't remember the guy's name because I don't remember a lot of sports stars and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm not that great. Yeah, I hear you. It's not really my thing. <laughs> but there was this uh, NBA player that came out about his depression. Mm-hmm. He was very very open about it. It was yep. really like, you know, mental health is really starting to change finally where it's not such a, a stigma. Yep. Or like, don't talk about it. Don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't, don't don't talk about talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know? But people were like, all these comments I was reading, like, how can you do press? You can go out and buy anything you want. Yeah. And he goes, 
That's not the answer, pay. though. Yeah, exactly. Because I wish I could give you, like, I wish I could let you know what it's like to have all this money. And see Jim Carrey's got a quote like that or something, doesn't you know, he? Uh, I, don't I wish people could. I wish everybody oh, could yeah, be yeah, famous yeah. just so they just, could see that it's not the answer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not. What, it's not what you think it actually is. Yeah. I just. Well, the other thing I read, or I saw too. They were talking about, you know, you think being rich is all glamorous and everything like that. But mm-hmm. he goes, you get really bored because back when you didn't have a lot of money mm-hmm. and you're trying to save up money to do this thing you've always wanted to do off your bucket list. Yep. Well, now you can literally do anything you want off your bucket list. Yeah. Anytime you want. Yep. And then eventually you run out of things on your bucket list. Yeah, exactly. So I think in the dark side of that, I think that's where the situations come in where the unscrupulous things happen. Yeah. It's like, you're like, I don't, I'm bored. Yeah. Let's just play with somebody or let's just do whatever because <laughs> yeah. we're bored, you know? Well, I think it goes to, to like just judgment overall. Is everybody, Almost everybody that's saying that, oh, you know, you can do whatever you want because you've got all that money. Most of the people saying that don't have the money and they're sitting there judging that person that has all the money. Well, you can do whatever you want. Right. Like you don't even have the money to know to tell the person that that's what they can do. Right. They could have all the money in the world, but it could be tied up. They could have this. Health problems doesn't allow them to do X. I mean, right. everybody just, I think, is on that judgmental culture of, well, they know better. You don't You don't know anybody. Right. And that's one of the things that, again, back to Gary V, I love is just, it just he doesn't care about other people's opinions. Don't care about other people's opinions because they don't, no one knows you. Not your right. spouse, not your wife, not your right. kids. Nobody knows what's going on in your head better than you. So that's it's just why you're always gonna, don't listen to other people. Yeah, that's why you're always an uncontrolled variable. Exactly. Like, I tell her, it was like, when I watch people in the queue or watch people at the blocks, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's why I just give people tasks to do. Yeah. Because I don't know what they're thinking. Mm-hmm. And we live in this whole world, and I, I said this in my last podcast, because I think it's it rings to what he's saying, and it rings to like what I do with my work and how mm-hmm. I and how I think and what's helped me think. Sure. Is that my way is better than your way, and your way sucks. <laughs> I don't have the courage to do it my way, so I'm going to make fun of your way. Yep. And now that I made fun of your way, you won't do it either. Exactly. Because you're afraid of you're you're ashamed of my opinion or or, or worried more about my opinion. There's the judgment. There's own. the opinions. The judgment. Right. Yeah. So then now our entire society right now is paralyzed in fear mm-hmm. and not going anywhere. Yep. Because everybody's like, what are they going to think? What are they going to think? What yeah. are they going to think? Am I going to offend somebody? Am I going to like? Yep. Holy shit! Like. Yep. Now we're not going anywhere. No, yeah. nobody's creating anything. Nobody's developing anything. We're like, we just we're in this perpetual circle right oh, now. Oh yeah. I mean that's the basis. I feel like of. A lot of the, the the bright stars that are out there that people notice, like I don't I don't care if you love Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. I feel like a lot of people love Donald Trump because he's different. Like he just doesn't yeah. sit in that box. Or people love this person because they, he's different. They don't sit in that box. And he's you know just to be right. not afraid lets you gives you the freedom to kind of just be yourself. And I feel yeah. like like to your point is people are stuck in that that fear culture. No, definitely. There's a there's like a, a, a stalemate happening mm-hmm. right now where it was like, all right, who's gonna move first? Yeah. Are you gonna move too far? We're we gonna like disrupt everything. Yeah. Move like not worry. Yeah. We're like, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. do. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let's kind of dive into the, some of the fishing stuff. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So not, <laughs> I no, can talk all day about that. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> but I think this all ties together. Too, it does. Because yeah. you have to know, like, you know, both of us care about our businesses. Exactly. Right? Like that's a, the you know to lead up mm-hmm. into this. Like, sure. you don't need to hear this stuff anyways. Yeah. There's a guy, uh, Matt, uh, owns Triangle Imports. So I listened to that whole Did podcast the other day, yeah. Okay. And it was funny because I actually went to his webpage last night. I was like, does he do Fords instead of Imports? I'm like, I just want to use him as a business because I love his culture and the way he thinks and treats yeah. his customers and, and his business mentality of like, that's the brain I want behind who's going to work on my car or who's right. going to help me with my vehicle issues is the person that's got that mentality in the background of it because oh, you know yeah. they're going to be there delivering in the end the product. Right, exactly. You don't have to worry about, like, is this really getting done? Mm-hmm. Or is it getting done the right yeah. way or, or anything? Oh, yeah. Like yeah, yeah I, I, I hit up Matt on Instagram already. I was like, I'm following Triangle Imports now already. Just right. just after awesome. the podcast, I'm like, oh, I love it. I love That's it. Awesome. I'm like, damn, I wish I had a Porsche or something. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to do, like, a three-way. We'll have, That'd be great, yeah. Have a conversation yeah, I mean, I've never met him or anything, but he's, he's great guy. like, just listening to the podcast, I was yeah. like, I like this guy. Yeah, <laughs> I would yeah. love to meet him. We've done uh, two other ones. One on entrepreneurship. Yep. Because he's been he was born and raised in entrepreneurship. Also. Okay. So we kind of like dug deep into that yep. one. And then uh, the other one, there's a uh, one of my other words of wisdoms I have. Uh, it was something I saw on Facebook. And okay. I added it to mine, but then I added a piece to it. Mm-hmm. And it's something very powerful in our world right now. Is that what you don't change, mm-hmm. you choose. That's awesome. 
And even silence is a choice. Yeah. Silence is acceptance. Not changing it is a choice. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. So we went down, we went deep into like an hour hour conversation about that one. That's awesome. So I just got done editing that one. I haven't. Uh, actually, I'm excited now. I'm ready to listen to that. Live yeah. last night on the on the other channel. It's not, there's a second channel of mine it's called uh, Another New Perspective. Yes, you, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned that. Yeah, okay. I haven't had a chance to check it out yeah, yet. But yeah. So that one has that one on there. So the last one I just updated on there. That's awesome. On there. So that Exciting. was that was. Uh, him and I get into some deep conversations about that stuff. Yeah, no, that's great. That's like one of the things I love about just this podcast and the, the thought process of the idea of it in general is I feel like you're kind of a sum of the people you surround yourself with. So just, just doing this, getting to meet you, you know, it'd be awesome to talk to Matt one day. Just that culture of like people that you you resonate with and talk with, you kind of build each other up and, and you understand things and you learn things from different perspectives and just... Having people on that same path with you is just—it's—it's it's really cool. Oh no, exactly. There was a, a guy that is in our group and stuff. He actually was one of the original founders of our, our festival group. Okay. He said that to me one time. He goes, "You know, being able to find someone to have a, a good, genuine conversation with mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. is like mining for diamonds. Like really? For rare diamonds. You know, it's true. I didn't think right? about it. Yeah, you're right. Because like everything's so shallow. Everything's like you know." Yeah, I really want to have a conversation with you, but I'm really thinking about what's going on on my phone right now. Yeah, or what I'm waiting for. I've been waiting for someone to text me back. Sure, like I'm. That's same with distracted driving. Even mm-hmm. if you're looking at your phone, your mind isn't on the road because yeah. your mind is thinking about what something's going to pop up on your phone. Yep, and it's that same thing with conversation. Sure, so you're trying to have a conversation, but you're you're constantly like catching people's eyes. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yep. And you're like, so you're not really listening to me. Exactly, you're you're, you're hearing me, and you're like here, but like. Mm-hmm. We're not actually having... Yeah, you're just getting bombarded by everything else in your brain. Right, yep. exactly. I love it. So fly fishing is interesting because mm-hmm. I've never actually got a chance to actually fly fish. Sure. Cast the rod a couple of times with a buddy of mine. Yeah, yeah. I've gone fishing, but we've lived uh, about an hour and a half south of Lake Erie. So oh, cool. I've been perch fishing a few times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and river fish and stuff when I was a kid and stuff yep. like that. But it was like one of those things like maybe if you practice it's it... It's a little mythical thing, but yeah. Like, <laughs> but I'm like... I really wasn't that good at it. Yeah. I, I get the challenge of it because you're sure. basically competing against nature. So yeah. it's like, so yeah. you're going to give it to you or not give it to you. No, I, I absolutely, I just started it probably, I guess, two years ago now. And okay. I, I, I can't even go back. I absolutely love it. And I had this, it was really weird how I started. Um, I'd always seen it. It never really was overly appealing, but it wasn't unappealing. It was just this thing. Right. And uh, my younger brother had kind of gotten into it. And he's always telling me these stories about how great it is and this and that. So I was like... And I had just got done with a uh, a weekend with uh, my wife's side of the family. We were, we were playing golf or something. And I was like, man, I had a lot of fun with them or whatever. It's like, I do not need another hobby, though. I need, like, one. i got to pick one. <laughs> I was like, am I going to get into golfing or am I going to get into fly fishing? Because i got enough other hobbies. My wife's going to kill me if I, if I pick two. And I can't right. afford to pick two. I'm, I'm right. on a limited budget. I've got, what am I going to do? Right. So I kind of rolled the dice. Too, I don't know how expensive fly fishing gets, but like. It can get, I mean, it, it can be as crazy as you want. You okay. could drive, you could get the Ferrari of everything and spend tens of thousands of dollars or you okay. could spend okay. next to nothing. It's yeah. really kind of weird. So really golf, because golf can get quite expensive. Also, yeah. And I know. mean, I think, I think from the perspective, when I looked at like starting out with a little basic setup, I was kind of going to be dollar wise <laughs> about the same going in. I was like, which one do I want to do? So I tried, um. Went to a couple good driving ranges, hit a couple balls around. So, yeah, it was fun. It was all right. All right, let me go check out this fly fishing thing. And one of the cool things is the uh, the Orvis around here, they do uh, free classes. Oh, they so do. they do uh, Orvis okay. one. They do uh, fly fishing one hundred and one and a two hundred one. And a one hundred and one is just you kind of just go in. They they give you the quick rundown of like this is what it is. These are the tools. This is that. You go out in the parking lot. You try casting, and you kind of leave with a general understanding of what to do and how to do it. And then the 201, they actually take you to the river. Here's the, here's all the gear. Just have fun. We'll teach you with it. We'll, we'll learn you with that. And I was like, that was awesome. I caught my first fish on the fly right up the road in the Noose River. Had a blast. I was like, this is it. We'll go down this road. So I started okay. down the fly fishing road. Gotcha. And it's really funny because I've fished since I'm four, three, four years old. Piece of bread on a bobber. Just right, nothing, right, right, right? right? Just always fished. And I'll be honest, I suck. I was the worst fish. I, I mean, okay, I feel better now. I was horrible. I didn't catch a damn thing ninety nine times out of a hundred. I was excited ever just to catch one fish, and I've yeah. actually got one of the pictures on my Instagram page is hysterical because I went to the beach and I always had the same mentality of like, you know what? I don't even care if I catch anything, but it'd be awesome just to catch one fish. Right, give and me I, something. Yeah, give me something. And sure, sure enough, I went to the beach one day, and I caught one fish. The thing was probably two inches long. It was a little bait fish <laughs> hey. I snagged. I was like, you know what? God has got a sense of humor here because 
I caught one fish, yeah. and that was all yeah. I caught. And it was funny. It was just, but I suck at fishing. I was yeah. terrible. So I've been fly fishing for two years now, and I've probably gone a combined maybe 100 times in two years now. Okay. Maybe 150. I have not been skunked. Oh, really? I'm still blown away at my own. I'm oh, like, wow. okay. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way I'm not. I'm going to go out one day and just not catch. It's got to happen. It's got right, to. You right. can't not. I sure as hell have not gone out and not caught something. Okay. Now, the caveat is it's been something. It might be a little, like, right, two, right. again, a little two-inch, you yeah. know, baby fish or something. But it's always been something. And it's just been mind-blowing to me. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do just with where you fish. Because I think fly fishing allows you to get to different parts of the water that most people can't fish. And then the other side of it is I think just the lure side of things. We're using these either either live bait is one thing, but most of the plastic fake lures out there are these big monstrosities. Right. With fly fishing, your whole goal is to mimic how closely can you mimic the real bait and food that these fish eat. And I, I feel like somewhere in there is the reason why I've been so successful. Definitely not from skill because I am absolutely terrible still, but I'm still <laughs> learning. But I, I think just the concept of it has is, is allowed me to be a better fisherman and catch more fish. But You keep that out of the trees, though, right? No. Oh, oh heck no. No, I, I just caught a tree fish last week. I was okay. like, you've got to be kidding me. I just tried it my brother for it, and sure enough, next time out, there's a branch. But yeah, one of the other... You, you can't get to watch what you say to people. Cause it really... Yeah, exactly. But So one of the funny things about getting snagged, though, when you're fly fishing is nine times out of ten, you're in the water anyway. So you just walk over and unsnag yourself. You're not like... I mean, some, I have lost stuff, don't get me wrong, but it's a lot easier to get your, your lure back. Right. You might have spooked in the leaders, fish. Right? Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, yeah. And one of the one of the great things, though, is with fly fishing is in the summer months when it's really nice out, you just bathing suit and wading boots, you just walk out. So, I mean, 90 degrees and you're sweating your butt off, but it feels great because you're in this cool running water the whole time. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's a great experience. And I think that's probably the draw for me for fly fishing more than anything. And I think for a lot of people it's just, it doesn't even matter if you're catching, just being out there, the sensation of it, the, the peacefulness of it. And I was watching a video the other day, a fly fishing video, and, I, and one, they touched on a point that I thought kind of rung true is even the run, the water running by you is almost like a white noise machine. Okay. And I never realized, like, oh, my God, he's right. Because it's just this yeah. background noise. It kind of drowns everything else out. And it allows – it's one of the only things in my life that I have found where I can, like, completely turn everything else off. If I, if I cast my lure and all of a sudden I get a little hit, everything goes away. It's just me and this fish. We're just kind of playing and duking it right, out. And, right. and then you snag it. And you're like, that's it. And it's just, you don't realize it, but in that moment, you've tuned everything out. Yeah. And it's, you don't even realize until after it's done. You're like, oh my God, that was amazing. And you just want to stay yeah. out there and do it. And I've just, I've just enjoyed the living heck out of it. So I know you, I know you've, um, you can, is it a continual cast? Yeah. I mean, when right. you're, when so, you're casting it out. Yep. So how do you feel when you get a hit? Right. Cause like. So when you get a hit. A lot of times when you're nymphing, it's it's basically called it's basically fishing with a bobber. Okay. Essentially, people get all technical about it, but essentially, yeah, yeah. you have a little float bobber on the water, and then your your lure kind of sits underneath the water, and you right. can see, you can kind of see the bobber go up just like a regular type of fishing. Yeah. Or if you're fishing dry flies, the little realistic ones that float on the top. Yeah. It, it's a visual. You'll see the fish take the bait, that kind okay. of thing. But uh, a lot of times with the bobber, you'll see all of a sudden it'll start twitching. So you know there's something doing it to it. And you're like, okay. oh, so now you now you're kind of keyed in. There's something there. And now I've just drowned everything out. It's just me. Where is he going to go? What's he going to do? Did he get it? Did okay. I miss it? It's just you kind of tune it all out and just zone in on that. But I've just just the being out there, no matter where you are, it's just it's it's awesome. I just love the atmosphere of it. That's cool. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a huge nature person. Sure. So, yeah. Like I, I I spend a lot as much time as I can in Umstead. And yeah. It's kind of like being an entrepreneur. I get to you know it's my schedule. I can do whatever I want to with yep. it. Yeah. I love it. And uh, <laughs> I love it. Every once in a while, and I don't, I don't do this to like make fun of anybody. I, don't, I, I just yeah. mind my own business, whatever. But I'll, sometimes I'll drive to I'll drive to Umstead, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll drive there during rush hour traffic. <laughs> and it, and it'll take me like thirty minutes to drive to Umstead, and then just like sitting there and stopping go traffic the whole way there. Yep. And when I get to the Harrison exit, and everybody else is still stuck in traffic to go left, I go right and go into the forest. Everybody's going to SAS, and yeah. right. Yep. I'm going, I'm going into the forest by myself. <laughs> There's like nine park, nine cars in the whole parking lot, yep. and I'm just like you're smiling the whole way in too. Like, yeah, that is exactly why I do what I do. It, I, t I bet yeah. it makes you enjoy it when you're there even more too, because you're like what you just came from. Right. You're like because I, I know that that's where I could be. Yep. And, yeah. And I chose to work my ass off mm -hmm. with my own self discipline, so you can own, have that. So I can have that. This exactly. is my reward. Yeah. You know, but I'll go out in the woods, and I'll, I have this whole thing where I was like, because you go out there and you can like play like a little kid. Yeah. Exactly. 
I pick up sticks yourself? And, I, yeah. and I throw rocks oh, and yeah. I play in the creek and I do all oh, these yeah. things, you know, and I'm 40 years old. I'm exactly. Like, oh, I still skip rocks in the pond. Right. It's, yeah, exactly. So, like, um, <laughs> so I had this thing where, like, nobody can see me, nobody can hear me. Yeah. You know, because there's nine cars in the parking lot and how many hundreds of acres. Like, yeah, exactly. The, the, the chances of me running into somebody mm-hmm. is negligible. Yep. So I just go out there and I just play around. I'll do some sure. videos from my Instagram or whatever yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm just like, it's my whole playground. That's awesome. You know, so the nature piece of it would be a big big selling point. Do you find yourself having to struggle with like the, you're trying to do this stuff for your Instagram because it's a great atmosphere for it, but you're like, I gotta I got to put it down because I want to enjoy this too. <laughs> I find my, It's a balance. I get out there and I, yeah. I do what I need to do and then I put it away. <laughs> I just, I, I found myself doing that, like I said, because I'm just getting, getting started with this business is I was up at the river and I was like, I got to get some pictures in for the, for the Instagram page and the Facebook and the marketing right, of right. the product. And I'm like, the light's perfect. I got to get this. Like, I'm like, Damn, that looks like some good fishable water over there. I was like, all right, let's just get this done. Like, I can go fishing. But it's like, right. I find myself torn when I'm out there of like, I got to do this work. It's not really work, but it's fun and I got to get done. But I also want to, I want to enjoy it. So I can see, I can see when you're like at it's an umstead, you're yeah, like, you gotta, exactly. You the balance of it. So, and then at the same time, when I'm done, I'm like, you know, this is work. I'm working right now. What is, this is this is such right. a foreign concept to me. I'm like, you're having fun while you're working at the same right. time. That's, that's entrepreneurship. That's exactly. Like, I would say it's like, uh, a kid having gone to recess and never went back to school. Yeah, he figured out how to make recess pay for it. Right, exactly. Yeah. So now I'm just like, I, I always get to play. And like, yeah. doesn't matter how in this space that I'm in right now yeah. that I make money or bring awareness to my company or yep. bring awareness to my brand. Yeah. As long as my bills are paid, my lights are on. Yeah, like we were talking really? before. As long as you hit that goal, what does it matter how you got there? No, exactly. I love it. Yeah, the, the path there is like, mm-hmm. nobody sees your path. Yep. Because they're like, oh, you're just doing your, like, whatever. Like, who even is that guy? Yeah. Right, and then all of a sudden you show up one day, and they're like, "Oh, that guy." Yeah, I was like, "Where did he come from?" Like, yeah, well, I've been here the whole time. Well, and I think that's kind of like from a business standpoint of of where I feel like the opportunity is now. And one of the things that Gary always talks about is document over create. It's like I don't want to be, you know, even if I make it ten years from now, and this is a huge business or whatever, I don't want people to sit there and, "Well, how did he get there?" Oh, we just some overnight boom, he's got this business. It's like no, I want to document this thing all the way through of like. Right here's the product getting made and here's how it came up with this idea and, and let people come on that journey with you. Right. And I feel like people see the authenticity a little more than all of a sudden Honda just drops a new car. Well, how did you make it go through the story of where the materials came from? Like, I think yeah. people are more generally interested in that story. Well, that's what he talks about with, uh, he goes, don't hire a marketer, hire, hire a journalist. Yes. And actually, uh, when I interviewed uh, blueprint business communications, he mm-hmm. was saying the same thing. He goes, and he goes, in the future of it, seventy percent of it's going to digital storytelling. Yeah, storytelling, exactly. Right? So it's all about that that journalism. It's all about like, because like, don't sell to somebody. They want to know where you came from. They want to know what yeah. you're about, what your what your culture is. Yep, I've had that conversation with my wife a lot. Is I feel like the best salesman in the world. If you want to be the best salesperson in the world, don't sell a damn thing. Yeah. Just solve a problem. I was looking at it from car dealers. Like I hate, I loathe going to car dealerships because it's like, <laughs> how can guys, I sell they, to you? How can guys, I? They, 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 get, they get thrown under the bus. They do, but they it's do. like out ninety percent of the time when you roll up to a lot, it's what can I sell you? What can I sell you? Don't sell me anything. Just fix my. I'm here with a problem. Clearly, right. fix my problem. Even if it's cars are my thing and I have an itch I want to scratch. If something fun, that's a problem. I mean, it's not a bad problem, but it's a problem that you need solved. Right. And. I worked for a couple of years at a, a local firearm shop and I loved it because it was a small mom and pop shop. It wasn't a big box retailer. And they gave me the freedom to work with the customer how I see how I saw fit. It was no, here's a script, here's the numbers you got to hit, this and that. Right. And we kept tracking numbers just for, you know, so we know where we're at as, as a whole. But it allowed us to work with the customer on a one-on-one basis. They come in, what's your problem? How can I fix it? Well, what caliber do you recommend? Whatever works best for you, you know? I'm not here to sell you a caliber. Let's figure out what your what your problem is and how can I solve it and get you there. I don't want to sell you. If I sell something at the end, fantastic. That's great. That's, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here to fix right. your problem for right. you. And I feel like if everybody kind of takes that mentality in almost all areas of business, you can, you'll eventually make money. Your goal shouldn't be to make the money. It should be to solve the problem and help your customer. That's what you're there for. Right. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with the business of what I'm creating is I had a problem. I had a problem of I don't want to carry all my junk around when I don't need it all. Right. So what's the solution? Okay, well, I've got, I'm, I'm coming out with this cool little pouch. So there's the problem. So the other side of it is just as a customer of any business, it's I want a, I want a good product when I buy it. 
and I, I don't want to have to worry about it after I buy it that I spent the money on. So that's kind of one of the things I, I was really heavy on was my warranty program for a lot of my stuff. Yeah. Is I want to look at it from, if I have a problem with my gear and it's a year from now, I've got a problem with my gear. It doesn't work anymore. Let me help that customer. I want, I would love, some of the best companies I've worked with are, you know, I don't care when I sold them to you. You're a customer of ours. We're going to take care of you. Right. So that's kind of what, that's kind of the goal I set for myself is, if somebody buys my product, if you come up with me 10 years from now and the stitches blew out of it, well, damn, my product didn't, isn't working for you anymore. Let me fix that. Let me make that right for you yeah, no, exactly. so you're taken care of. And that's kind of one of the things I, I was just really passionate about. Was, I, I call it my no BS warranty, but it's basically just so that you don't got to sit there and dig up a receipt. You don't have to explain why the hell this is a problem for you. Right. You've got a problem. I'm going to fix it for you. I don't. I don't see why any company should be any different. I, I've actually got a problem right now with uh, my tonneau cover on my truck. It's completely defective from design. In fact, I've snapped a part on it twice now just trying to close it. They keep sending me the repair part. And I was like, this is clearly defective. You, you've got multiple customers across the web saying the same problem. It's not just me. I, I just want my money back at this point. This product doesn't work. What yeah. can you Oh, well, you got to go through the, re, the retail. I'm like, you are the retailer. You based it off of Amazon, but it was sold by you. Yeah. So I go back to Amazon. Oh, sorry, it's been six months. We can't do anything with you. It's been seven months. I'm like, you really? So now I go back. And I'm just like, this is this is exactly what I don't want to ever have to have happen. So I don't want my product to sit there in somebody's hands and say, oh, crap, this isn't working. It's clearly defective. I've got all these people with this problem. You know what? I'm going to make it right. Let's just fix the problem. And I feel like people will have more buy-in to a company that they know they're going to be there for. And it's right. a relationship because no, it's it not a relationship. You're trying, that's where you're trying to nurture. You're trying yeah. to build that, that. I don't ever want to look at somebody or have anybody that ever works for me in the future look at somebody as a, a customer as a product. Like you're not, I'm not here to buy, sell you and then move on. Like you're part of the, it's tacky because it's like you're part of our family as a business, but it's, yeah. to me, it's real. It's, you're part of the family. You, you've bought in with us. You're a buy-in, right? You, you're essentially a stockholder in my company, even though we're not trading on the stock exchange. You, you own part of the company. Stakeholder. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So that's that's been one of the passionate things for me is just kind of I want to build a business and every product that comes out of it, whether I retail somebody else's product or I sell my own, I'm having the, the warranty as a company. Of, we're going to take care of you if there's ever a problem. Yeah. When I uh, when I met with the engineers about building the cube and stuff, mm -hmm. and I was talking to them, and the example I used it was like, when we build this thing, I want you to think of the 1950s refrigerator that's in someone's garage right now, yeah. keeping their beer cold. I want you, I want something built that is I, I don't want to contribute to what we're doing to the planet right? the throwaway society the throwaway society yep I want to I want to turn this thing back around and send it back the other way yeah because the thought process I have in regards to manufacturing mm -hmm. is that we shouldn't be using products or materials mm -hmm. to build products mm -hmm. that will last longer mm -hmm. on the planet than the youngest person born makes sense so it gives you a hundred years. I'm not saying to go drastic, like your stuff has to biodegrade in 10 yeah. years. I'm saying, I'm giving you 100 years. It drives me crazy when I'm like, you know, you get a takeout container or whatever, or you're out and someone gives you a styrofoam little sample thing, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I throw this thing away knowing it's going to be in the garbage for 700 years. Especially if it's if it's designed to be a one-time use type item, like that, right. like that Tupperware container. I get, to your point though, like... The refrigerator, like if you're gonna buy something that it's not as it's not intended to be throwaway, I would rather build it to be a hundred plus years so that you can use it generation generationally. Right. But to to your point though, is like the the one time use thing. I, I love exactly. I hate seeing stuff you just throw away and it goes and dies. And that's one of the cool things. I've, that's I've, the problem. It doesn't die. Yeah, it doesn't. It just sits <laughs> it lives, there. It lives forever, essentially, in the same Well, yeah, so I mean, it goes and dies in a landfill or yeah. it goes and dies yeah, in, yeah. in somebody's backyard or in, in a forest and it just sits there forever. Right, no, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's, I, I love it. It's yeah, great. no, it needs to, we need to start making that change. We need to, like, what I started noticing is that you can actually, you can save money that way. Yeah. It costs a little bit more up front, but you don't have to buy it again. Exactly. Right, so like. Yep. I even figured that out with um, Harris Teeter sells this toothpaste. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a weird thing. It's like a seven dollar toothpaste. Sure, but it lasts me like yeah. So I'm like, why would I use? Why would I buy the other stuff that oh, I'm yeah. buying? You know. So well, and that's where yeah, I, just weird things like that. But. I, I think you'd really love getting into fly fishing too, just because I think part of that whole mindset and culture evolves or exists a lot in the fly fishing world. I mean, there's you've got the catch and release. Like ninety percent of people are catch and release. 
It's the picking up the trash while you're going around. I mean, one of the cool things, uh, there's a local group here, Triangle Fly Fishers. They do a uh, conservation stuff all the time where it's, you know, you go down, it's a float down the river type day. Where you've got a contest of who picks up the most trash and this and that. Oh, and it's, wow, okay. it's just kind of ingrained in the culture of fly fishing of like leave it better than you found it type mentality. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I do it all the time when I'm at the bank. I was coming up, there was like a bobber piece of trash. I'd just throw it in my bag and, and bring it up on the way out because I'm just, nobody wants to see that. Right. Like you're part of that environment. If you're one of the great things about fly fishing is you kind of become part of that environment. You're in the water. You're with the fish. You're fishing, right. so you want to naturally take care of your own environment. So it's really cool. It, it blends really well with the kind of I don't want to say conservationist, but like that mentality of like giving a damn about the planet and what's in that, what's out there and that right. stuff. Yeah, because my buddy of mine uh, bow hunts all the time. Yeah, right. And like to me, like the people that sit there and patiently wait. Mm-hmm. And bow hunt. Yeah. It's kind of like that same thing. You're, yeah. you're immersing yourself into the environment. Yeah. You're not pushing the woods. You're not, you're not, yep. you know, trying to run the deer to, to catch mm-hmm. them on the run or anything like that. You're yeah. like literally trying to be serene and, and part of the environment to like yep. hunt and gather. Yeah. Right. Comparing the two together, bow hunting takes a lot of skill. Yeah. It's moving quietly. It's moving like, it, it, and knowing how to, how to aim and, and, mm-hmm. and of course, cleaning it, cleaning an animal. Sure. You know? Fly fishing to me isn't like I'm just going to cast this, push this button, and cast it out <laughs> yeah. there, right? It's, yeah. It's like there's there's some skill to it. Yeah. You're still learning. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here. Yeah. It's I yeah. I expect to still be learning 20 years from now. It's not one of those things that you're perfect on. You'll never right. be perfect. There's always going to you're going to mess something up or something's yeah. not going to work right. There's going to be some kind of adversity you got to work through. Right. Yeah. No, I like that. I, I like that. There's so much of a practice to it. Like there is. It's like an art and a science. It's, yeah. it's a combination of it. I think some of the most fun things out there are. The black and white, the mathematic things are fun for certain people, but a lot of people like that blended, right? Kind of get good at it type More, thing. My girlfriend are both very Taoist, mm-hmm. so do you know anything about the Tao? Not, not a lot. Okay, the Tao is like basically the, um, or the written Tao cannot be the eternal Tao. Okay, it's like the Tao is just everything you can't explain. Makes sense. It's like it's just that. Okay, that's how I think about it with like being out in nature like that. Yeah, where, where you're, uh, you're taking this thing and whipping it out into the water, mm-hmm. you know, somewhat controlled. Yeah. But you really don't know. There'll be a gust of wind that's going to hit it, yeah. right? There's this, there's yeah. like so much uncontrol to it. There's yep. so much wobble to it. Sure. So like in like with the Tao and stuff like that, it talks about like you know surfing. You know, for every up there's a down. For mm-hmm. every like you know. Sure. You don't to know give what you're going to get. It's yeah. like not having expectations. Not just sure. like taking it as it comes. And so like that's how I think about that. It's like you're just out there and like it's not a controlled environment, mm-hmm. right? And you're not trying to make it a yeah, you're not in a sterile bubble yeah right. exactly right. But you're not even trying to control it mm-hmm. you're trying to control the you're trying to work in that environment right exactly yeah. work within what you got that's awesome so this product you have mm-hmm. um it's just like a it, yeah so it. i mean i've got it i got it right here so okay. basically the concept of it came from me if you think if you know a lot about football but you know quarterbacks have the little playbook yeah, on their right. arms it kind of stemmed from that and then um where i really saw it put into use was in the military side of things is that it was a map pouch same idea it opens it was just bigger so you can right, fit a map right, right. in it and you've got it right there on your arm and i was like you know i'm tired of slinging my pack around i'm tired of carrying all this junk all this stuff so my concept was was well, why don't i just mount it on my arm like that pouch and i've got it i hope the velcro doesn't mess the sound up for you, right. but, but if you can sit there where now I've got it basically just mounted on my arm. Right. So now whatever I'm doing, I've got it right there. Oh, I don't yeah. just sling my bag around. That's and then true. when I open it up, I've got all my flies and everything I need just right there. Gotcha, gotcha. That's don't need cool. to do a whole lot. I don't need to carry. I've got it basically down to where this is literally, other than my rod, this is all I need. So That's I've got awesome. it so I can fit my tippet right in the top. I can fit a pair of pliers on the back. Basically everything I need is right there. And I don't need to sit there with a bunch of stuff That's cool. and carry it all around. I've right. got it right there. That's what happened in my festival thing. Because when I first got in, started going to music festivals, mm-hmm. it was like, you had a backpack. And you yeah, you can start. And you had like, yeah, you're you carrying like the kitchen sink. Yeah, like whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I was like, as I went through like each year, like the last year with went to Bonner, it was like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a pair of cargo shorts, a zip pocket for valuables. Gotta have the cargo shorts. Right? Cause it's yeah, like the yeah, man yeah. purse for your legs. Right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and the zipper pocket for like valuable stuff, like any kind of money yeah. or ID and stuff like that. And then the other pocket had like maybe toiletries or whatever. Sure. It had like Velcro pocket. And then I had a, I just carry a little plastic Aquafina bottle around. Yeah, yeah. Like that was it. I was yeah. like, you don't want to carry all the You really yeah. need to have yep. with you to like survive in this situation, yeah. you know? So. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, it's maybe just I haven't got years of experience in it or not, but I feel like. 
at least I'm on the right track of, I look at people and they're, you know, they're out there fishing. I'm like, you've got more gear than you're going to need for a week on you. Like, why? You're not living in the water. You're going to come out. You're going to do whatever. I mean, you don't need to carry all that junk. And I just like, why? Unless you backpacked it all in and you're 10 miles from anywhere. (laughs) Why do you have all that? I just, I really enjoy the freedom of being out there. And I feel like being bulked down with a bunch of gear is just not. I don't like to carry things. Yeah. I don't like, I want to go out there and just like be free and move around. And yeah. um, I see it in disc golf a lot too. Cause like, yeah, I've been disc golfing for 10 years and these guys will come out there with like, 30 or 40 discs wheeling around. Like, you're only going to use one. Whatever. It was like, yeah, we use about three. three I mean, four, at the, when you're like, using it, though, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So, but I can do pretty much everything I'm going to do on, the, on most courses yeah. with four discs. Yep. Do I really need to carry around? Do yeah. I really want to carry around 40 yep. pieces of plastic? I think people just back? accumulate it, though, too. It's yeah. kind of like your house. You know, if you live there for yeah. 15, 20 years, then you go move, you're like, where did all of this crap come from? You just right, years right. of accumulation and this and that. Yeah. I think it's where a lot of that comes from. Oh, yeah. There's a, a, one of my weird little perspectives I have. Because I, I, I stay zoomed out all the time. True. In stoicism, the macro, they say, yeah. In, in stoicism, they, stoicism, they always say to, to always view mankind from a vantage point above it. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're always seeing the big picture. Yep. And uh, I always see uh, when I drive by the big storage units, mm-hmm. I don't see a storage unit. I see a big giant box that says stuff on the stuff. side of it. Stuff. Yep. Yep. And it's just like all the yeah. stuff that like nobody knew what to do with. So we're going to... But it's so mind-bending to me is that because you already paid for it once. Yeah. And you're probably still paying for it on your yep. credit card. And now it's sitting in there and you're paying for it. I'm laughing so hard because I have a storage unit right now. Okay. But it's hysterical, yeah. yeah. No, I agree 100% yeah. though. Yeah, I was like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> my wife... we keep building more and more of them. Cause yep. I was like, why, I everywhere you go, it. up in Wake yeah. Forest, it's insane. It's like everywhere you turn, there's a storage unit now. And I'm like, oh my God. And we, my wife and I keep joking, like, can we just torch... Can we just leave the door open on it? Maybe someone will steal it all and just torch right, it. So right. we don't even want it. I'm saying you're paying for it. I mean, granted, in our situation right now, I'm in an apartment. Okay. And we're moving into a house that we're building and stuff. But it's like, oh, it's all most of my, it's my outdoor stuff. My lawnmower, my grill, the stuff I can't yeah, use yeah. in the apartment. But it's like, outside of that, I'm like, can we just burn everything? Right. I was like, I'm throwing everything that's in there that doesn't, it's not essential, in the dump. Yeah. And like, we've gone through just kind of our lives and gone to, I think the mainstream term is minimalist, but it's like, how do we minimize the junk in our lives? Right. And one of my favorite ones, it's stupid, it's, <laughs> it's like the cabinet with all your pots in it, right? We went and we opened it up and we're like, what is all this junk? We've got three different saucepans, you got five different corporate, like what? Right. We gutted the whole thing, yeah. threw everything out, bought four or five really good pieces, and that's all. Now you open it up, there's like four things in there. Right. right. It's right. my favorite cabinet of the house, and I just, yeah. I kind of... How do I apply that to everything? And with the business side of things, I'm like, how do I apply that to my gear? How do I apply it to what I'm doing? Because I don't think people want to carry all this crap. I think a right. lot of them just, oh, I got this, I got that, and they just throw it on. And they're like, have you tried it without it? And then you're like, oh my goodness, this is great. I don't right. want to carry all this crap. I, have my, uh, I joke around, around about it with her all the time at mm-hmm. festivals now because she's like, have all this stuff on her all the time. And like, <laughs> each handle is full of something and she'd be like tucking this here and yep. holding this. And I was yeah. like, try this with me one time. <laughs> And like every festival now, she's like walking around. She goes, "Yeah, I don't want to carry anything. I don't want to carry yeah. anything." I was like, "Oh yeah, it's nice, right? Yep. You're just like walking around. You're free. You can like, you don't have in the back of your mind like, oh, did I leave my chair back there or did no, I leave yeah. my backpack? Or We're just keeping track of it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're just like free to roam. Yep. Best way I've heard minimalism put because I'm I'm like hardcore minimalist. Sure. Pretty much all, every, I'm jealous. Every, yeah, pretty I love much it. like <laughs> what I, the valuable things I have in my house would fit in the back of my Kia. That's awesome. So it's like everything else can just go away if I want to. They said minimalism is like, it's not that you're living with nothing. Mm-hmm. Is that when you walk in your house, everything mm-hmm. you see makes you happy. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah, there's a big so, part of me that just wants to, to live in a tiny house or just overland with like a trailer behind me and just, just yeah. go. But yeah. Yeah, that way you can just like, you know, this is all I have. If it doesn't bring you joy, why do you in your life? What's the point of it? Right. Yeah. And it's just clutter. Like, there's this, uh, I can't remember what book it was in that I was reading, but it was like, you know, the son kept wanting to come and play ball with his dad, and he's like, "Now I gotta clean the garage up. Mm-hmm. I gotta clean the garage up." And he kept, you know, it was like, "You know, do you want him to clean the garage out?" You know, instead of like <laughs> playing ball, and he's like, "Yeah." But why would you want all that stuff if it's taking you from? It's taking you away from your your time. Sure. Right. Like, yep. all you do is every three months rearrange it. Yep. <laughs> You haven't, yeah. you haven't even looked at it in 10 you years. You just moved the box of stuff. Yeah, everybody's got that box that, that box that's, uh, you know, from when they moved six years ago. They still haven't gone through yet. Right. It's still, yeah. it's still packed. It's still there. Yeah. It's still like, you oh, just move okay. it to the next house. You're like, what right. am I doing? Nobody ever, like, just 
Which, if you threw it out, would you even know? My wife, my wife gets crazy with me because I don't even I'll, know what's in it. Yeah, I'll sit there and like, when we move or we go anywhere, she's like, "You just throw everything out. Don't care." Like, yeah, there's probably stuff I missed that I needed that I threw out. But if I haven't used it in six months and I'm not going to use it in six months, why do I have it? Right. What well, happened when I moved from my apartment over to the where I was the house I was living in was a, tri- a triplex over to the apartment we're in. Okay. And out in the woodshed in the attic, there was all these totes that I thrown up there like mm-hmm. five years earlier. Sure. And I was like, damn it, I don't really want to even, like, know it. Do I really even want to even care yeah. what's out there? Yeah. And uh, so I went out there anyways, and I pulled them down, and I opened them up, and they are full of mold. And I was like, yep, there you go. Garbage, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Answer that question for me. Yeah. So, but yep. no, the middle one, I mean, that's that's yeah. a great uh, great idea. Like, in, in my mind, like, mm-hmm. why do we want to carry everything? Yeah, why, why do we carry like, And it's funny, because I, I kind of learned, I stumbled into, there's a type of fishing called Tenkara fishing. Which is think of fly fishing, but now there's no reel, and there's there, all your all you've got is your rod and the line on it. Because nine times out of ten with fly fishing, the reel just holds your line when it's pulled up. Okay. You're not really reeling in the so fish. You're usually it, just pulling. It reminds me of cane pole fishing. Basically, what it is. Okay. So it's it's like fly fishing minimalized even further to like very little gear, and I'm kind of like playing with the idea of getting into that. But I feel like this product also blends itself well into that world because it's yeah. just you don't want to carry a lot of stuff, so right. you can carry everything you need right here. Yeah. And I just, one of the funny things, so there's two really main kinds of fishing I like to do. One is fly fishing. The other one is surf fishing. I love being on the beach, sitting in the surf. Okay. I have a great time with it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delve the business into that side as well. It's kind of my focus is fly fishing and surf fishing. But I laugh because so many people, when you see them surf fishing, they're carrying literally a four-wheeled wagon full of stuff. And I'm like... Are you, are you kidding me right now? You've got a wagon of stuff you're pulling down the beach with you. I'm like, you, you don't, you probably don't yeah. even want to carry all that. Right. So how how can I, how can I take the product approach of kind of what I do with this and meld it into that? And it's not something I've I've completely figured out, but there's some product ideas I have, different weighting belts or different pouches you can have on you without overloading yourself. I just want to take this yeah. concept and kind of meld it out to other things. No, absolutely. And it'll be. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. No, definitely. To just help people enjoy what they're doing more. Yeah, because I think we um, we get lost in these, like, the best way I heard this put the other day, cause it, and I've shared it with other people, is because we keep trying to change people. Yeah. But have you ever stopped and really thought about how hard it is to, for you to change your own self? Mm-hmm. So why the hell would you think you could yeah. change somebody else? Yeah. Well, it's right? like... So with all this stuff, I think we just get in our lost in this our little puzzle yep. of, of life. We're like, well, I've always brought it. I've, oh, I've always done Yeah, I've just way. done it this way all my... Oh, my goodness. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a. That's one of the, was it? Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, I've always done it this way. One, one of the the funny sayings in the fire service is like, hundreds of years of progress, hundreds of years of service unimpeded by progress. Because it's like you sit there and you're just like, well, this is how we've always done it. This is how we've always done it. It's like, can we not do it that way? I right. hate that phrase. I go right. into work every time I hear that. I just I just look at people and stare. I'm like, why? Right. It's just because we've so always awesome. done it. We'll just keep doing it, even if it's wrong. It doesn't. It it's, drives it's me insanity. nuts. I hate it's that. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is when they say, like, you know, it's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting mm-hmm. a different result. But, yeah. I mean, it's just like, it is pure insanity. Mm-hmm. Like, you're so upset by the situation yeah. because it keeps happening this way, and you're pissed off at it when it happens that yep. way. But when someone proposes a way of changing it, they're like, but we've always done it this way. <laughs> I, and I feel like half the time when people say that, and it comes out of the mouth, they're like, wait, what? Did I just say that? Right. Am I serious right now? <laughs> but then they don't change it anyway. No, then they just go with it, yeah. Right, they just go with it because that's, yeah. that's, what that's what we know. And you know what? We're busy right now. We'll deal with it later. Yeah. And then you just get it with that light. That yeah. Like, you, you have the interest of changing it for a second because yep. you're like, yeah, we should totally change that. Yeah. And then you get busy and then you yeah. still. And, and then I, it's, I feel gone, like, it's gone again. I feel like in every company I've ever worked in, that's been the key to getting like progress done is getting people out of their box where they can just look at it, like you said, from that higher point of view and say, well, how would you do it? What's a different way that we can do this? How can we disrupt what we're doing now and still wind up with the same goal? Yeah. And just give people the freedom to come up with, oh, wow, I have this idea. Because everybody thinks of something differently. Maybe their way is not the best. Maybe your way is not the best. But just to be able to have that freedom of how do I not do it the same way over and over again? Or just listening to other people or having other people feel comfortable enough to do that. Yeah, a big no, difference. definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been awesome. Yeah, it's been great. I've had yeah. an awesome time. Yeah. Definitely going to have you back. Awesome. It's been a Love great, to, uh, yeah. great conversation. I think we can dive into like some more. Now they know you're in the logistics and the, and yeah, the yeah. culture thing and all that. I sure. think um, a good conversation just focused on on that avenue. Oh, without a doubt. Like, and knowing how like 
the way I see the world and how you're mm-hmm. in the corporate world or yeah. I've been deeper into it for a long time in that world. Prying, prying my ways from the depth of it. Yeah, just right. trying to get out. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. <laughs> but I think we can help, um, I think we can really help the rest of the world in the, in the corporate culture. Oh, without a doubt. Um, really kind of see it from a new perspective and go, mm-hmm. you know what, if we change these things. Yeah. It's not, all, it's not big things. No, it's, it's just little, there's, there's yeah. Little things you need to see a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And finding that, uh, that human interaction, their human connection back. Yeah. And, you know, as a systems person, logistics person, mm-hmm. data is amazing. Oh, I love, I'm a but, data geek. I, I, right. I always love all the data I can get. Right. But. But apply it the right way. You have to apply it in the way that we're still, it's still conducive to the health of humans. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest tipping point. In yeah. That, is that we have to. You have to insert the human into that data. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And know that you can't run the human like you're running the machine. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to automatically assume that this system is going to require this amount of extra time. Sure. Or this nurture or this. There's just a different approach for it. Yeah. Yep. No, exactly. I love it. It'd be great. Awesome, dude. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode. If you'd like to share your story, you can contact me at another new perspective, 101 at gmail.com or by phone at 984-212-4308. Have an amazing day.